morning. Good to see you all this morning. Thank you so much for being here. I want to say hello to all of you who are joining us online and on television. Wow, what a day. What a day. We have been on a journey for 50 days going through what we called 50 days of mission. And in many ways, what we've been doing is having a, an extended family meeting uh, for a few weeks. Um, but you've done wonderful. Thank you for taking this journey with us. If you're a guest with us today, um, thank you so much for being here. We've just been looking at really challenging ourselves uh, in eight areas of life over these several weeks. We started with intimacy with God, how that we have to build everything off of our relationship with the Lord. And then we went on to talking about having a passion for the harvest, how that Jesus tells us there's a harvest out there that's right, but the laborers are few. And we challenged ourselves and asked ourselves, do we really have a heart for what God has a heart for? Week three, we talked about visionary discipleship and talked about how do, we, how do we have a vision for our discipleship and discipleship in our families where it's not just random. We just hope that somewhere along the way we get enough about God and we learn enough scripture and maybe we pray enough. But how do we have a vision for that? We talked about how do we do evangelism in a culturally relevant way. We talked about how do we multiply disciples. We shared in a, a Sunday where we brought in our mission partners, our local partners, and got to hear testimony about what God was doing in their life. And, and then last week we talked about stewardship, stewardship of family and life and everybody's favorite topic, money. That was fun. Hope you enjoyed that. If you missed it, go back and watch. I want everybody to feel awkward. It's good. Today we're going to talk about the topic, integrity. Integrity. And really the goal of integrity is that you would finish well in life. I don't know where you are in your journey right now, but there's a finish line out there somewhere. And I really believe that it's God, God's desire that we all finish well. We finish well. Integrity is a hot topic today, if you really think about it. What, what is not a hot topic is for people to talk about their own integrity. What is a hot topic is for people to talk about the integrity or the lack thereof of others. We really like talking about this. We're really quick, if you think about it, to point a finger at someone else, but we're really slow to make a confession, aren't we? We're really quick to demand an apology we're pretty slow to ask for forgiveness. We're really quick to get offended, but we're pretty slow at making amends. A question that we have to ask ourselves, if in fact we claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, if. If we claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, one of the questions that we have to ask ourselves is, am I more preoccupied with someone else's integrity more than my own? Am I more preoccupied with the integrity of other people around me more so than my own integrity? You see, sometimes we promote ourselves to being a part of the moral police instead of inviting people into our lives to help us police our own morals. There's a world of difference between those two. There's a world of difference in living like you are God's instrument of judgment against everyone else 
and living a life saying, God, would you help me and surround me with people who will help me make sure my life is in alignment with yours? There's a text that I want us to read. It's in Psalm 24. In Psalm 24, verses 3 through 5, David asks a question. He says, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He answers the question by saying, The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive the blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. He asked this question, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Meaning, who can go up to Jerusalem? Jerusalem was always up in Scripture, right? Who can go up into the place of worship and stand before a holy God? His answer is those that have clean hands and a pure heart. And right here, what David gets at is this issue of integrity. And there's two components to it. There's the inward component of having a pure heart, and then there's the external, outward component of having clean hands. And when you put both of those together, it's living a life of holiness and sincerity where both our heart and our lives, they reflect one another in beautiful and powerful ways. But integrity in its simplest definition is simply being the same in heart, mind, and actions. Heart, mind, and actions. Integrity is about being a person who is whole, making commitments or promises, and keeping them, and that being consistent in our life, heart, mind, and actions. But integrity is a, a big topic today. It's a big topic in your life, and so what I want to do right now is pray. I want to pause and pray that what you hear me say from here on out would not just be my words, but my prayers that you would hear the word of the Lord to you, to you. I know lunch is coming. I know you're ready to get there. I know that some of you walked in this week and you brought a whole lot of stuff in the room with you. I know that some of you are really nervous about what's going to happen out there in the upcoming week. So let's pray. Now let's ask the Lord to give us ears to hear from him. So Lord, would you do that? Right here, right now, would you give us ears to hear what you have to say to us, each of us, individually? Lord, I pray that you would give us receptive hearts, that we would lay down whatever it is that we walked in here with, that we would lay down whatever it is that we are anxious about beyond this place, and that you would speak and let your servants listen and hear. Lord, would you help us see Christ, just Christ. Through Christ we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. There are four things that we have to remind ourselves of when it comes to the topic of integrity. Four things, four questions, four statements. One is we have to remind ourselves of, of what I am. And what I am is whole. I am whole. That word wholeness is very important. The word wholeness or completeness, it points to who we are in Christ. 
and who Christ died for us to be. God desires for you to be whole or complete in Christ. And where that interplays with integrity, it means that your beliefs, your attitudes, your words, your actions, all of those are consistent with God's nature. You are a whole or complete person. Whenever you look at Jesus, this is what we see. We see his inner life in complete alignment with his outer life. We see his inner life, his intimate relationship with the Father, because that's where our inner life starts, our spiritual life starts. We see that be consistent with what the world saw of him and how he lived out and lived out of that relationship. God wants us to be whole. He wants us to be complete. He wants us to, when we look in the mirror, we see that we are someone who is not just created in the image of God, but we are repaired to and being restored to the image of Christ in our own life. Now you may say, why is, does, why is God concerned about this? Why does God want me to be whole? Why don't he just kind of help me along the way, survive life long enough to where I can just get to heaven one day and he just fix everything there? It's a really good question. Part of the answer is this. God wants you to experience wholeness or holiness or completeness here. He's patching your life back together because it is the only way to have peace. It's the only way to have peace. And to truly walk in the peace of God here and now, what happens so many times is we live divided lives. We live compartmentalized lives where our lives are just segregated out and divided up. And whenever we have division among our heart, among our mind, um, in our soul, that's when we live life and it's like we're constantly being jostled back and forth, back and forth. We move from sinner to saint and back to sinner and saint and sinner and saint, sinner and saint. We look up one day and we wonder why we're spiritually seasick. You ever been seasick? Oh, I have. Listen, I'm... I get car sick when I'm driving. No lie. If you're a doctor and want to diagnose that, please help me out. It's bad. It is bad. So many times that's how we live life, though, spiritually. Back and forth, back and forth, and we just live, we're confused. Everything is a fog. We even feel nauseous. Because we're bouncing in between saint and sinner because we're living this divided life on the inside. And what Christ wants for us is for us to be whole. He wants us to be complete. He wants us to live this fully integrated life where our inner life and our outer life come together as one. And the longer that we walk with him, the longer that we walk with him, the less seasick we can become. And he's working with us in that process. And listen, listen, God is very patient with the process, by the way very patient. He's not frustrated with you. As we are learning to walk in the ways of Christ, as we are taking on the image of Christ more and more in our life, God is very patient with us in that process. We don't always get it right, but he's always there to gently correct us and help us along the way because he knows that we are simply becoming more and more like his son. We're living into that wholeness, that completeness that he wants and has for us. So I have to start there. I have to say, if I'm going to live a life of integrity, I have to remind myself of who I really am, what I really am. And in Christ, I am whole. I am complete. The second thing is this. I have to ask myself, what do I stand on? And what I stand on is a commitment to my promises. When I make promises, I keep that promise that I make. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 37, he says, all you need to simply say instead of making big oaths is just say yes or say no. Be a person that when you say yes, you follow through with that yes, and be a person that when you say no, follow through with that no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one, he says. Very strong language. 
He just says, be a person of integrity. When you say yes, let it be a yes. When you say no, let it be a no. Now, here's the thing. What I know about people like you and what I know about people like me is that every one of us has been the victim of somebody else's broken promise. Every one of us. Every one of us has been the victim of someone else's broken promise. And it is painful. Painful. And when someone breaks a promise, you have a choice to make. You can either become bitter or you can let that make you better. You can become bitter or you can become better. I don't know if you know this or not, but in my line of work, I meet a lot of people. <laughs> Do you know that? Occasionally, I meet a bitter person. I mean, someone who's the spiritual equivalent of Eeyore. You know what I mean? Y'all watch Winnie the Pooh growing up, you know? I mean, everything is bad. They're against everything. They have nothing positive to say. I mean, just, even their whole face, just, oh. I just want to be like, oh, did you drink a bucket of vinegar this morning, you know? And whenever I meet someone who's, who's just bitter, I mean, negative about everything under the sun, you know, I always want to ask the same question. Occasionally, I do. The question I want to ask is, who hurt you? Who hurt you? Who made a promise to you and then didn't keep it? Who hurt you? Who made a promise, didn't keep that promise? And you have let that. It didn't cause you. It's a choice. You have let that turn you into a bitter person. You're just taking your frustration out on everybody around you. Bitterness is a choice. And when someone breaks their promise, it can make us bitter, it can make us better. And what I mean by better is, is that if you've ever been the victim, and I'm sure you have, of someone else's broken promise, then let that give you the resolve to say, I know what that feels like, I know what that pain feels like, and I, I don't want people to experience that for me. I don't want people to experience that for me. I'm going to live a life of integrity, which means who I am, what I am, I'm whole in Christ. And when I live out of that wholeness, out of that completeness, I, I'm going to make a commitment to keep my promises. I'm going to keep them. Point number three is this. What do we do? We do just that. Our actions are consistent with my promises. You see, our beliefs must be reflected by what we say and in what we do. We live in a world today to where faith is just this thing that happens in my mind, meaning it's just this thing, this cognitive reality that I live in to where I just say, because I mentally ascribe to some beliefs that are out there, therefore I have faith. That is not biblical faith. It's one of the things I say over and over and over and over. You stay around here three weeks, you're going to hear me say this probably twice, and that is that faith is believing obedience. Yes, I believe it with my mind, but I also obey it. I live it out. You really don't believe what you say you believe until you live it, until you do it. Those two things always go together. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, we're in the kingdom of heaven. That's a scary thought, guys. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will, does the will, not studies the will, not knows the will, not thinks about the will, not prays about the will, the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You do it. This is faith. Faith. And if I'm going to live with integrity, I have to know who I am in Christ, that he has made me whole. There's a commitment to my promises that I am making, and then my actions are consistent with my promises. We look around the world today, and we see a whole lot of unbelief around us. It's everywhere, and it's rampant. And we as the church have to take some of the blame, at least, for that unbelief. As we have bounced back and forth from halo to horns in our life, wearing those out there for people to see, we have contributed to that unbelief in so many ways because we have given people a distorted image of Christ. And if we're going to be people of integrity and we're really going to live on mission, how we've been talking about these 50 days, we have to, yes, make the commitment, but then let our actions be consistent with the promises that we make. Number four is this, is that if we're going to live a life of integrity, we have to live a life and understand that we all need accountability. I know that we don't like this word. It's not a very popular word in today's world. That's okay. It's fine. But it is so important to understanding biblical Christianity. A personal commitment to integrity is a really, really, really good start, but it's not enough. The secret to living out your faith in Christ is to have people who are around you and to understand this big word called accountability so that we can live into it even when we fall. Because every one of us fall. Every one of us mess up. Every single one of us. It's Ecclesiastes 4.10 that says, pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Everybody's going to fall. You're going to mess up. All fall short of the glory of God, right? Romans tells us that. We know that. But he says, it's a sad day when you fall and you have no one else to help you up. That's where accountability comes in. Now, if you pan out and you look at accountability throughout Scripture, there are four kind of components of accountability. The first place that accountability starts is that you are accountable to God. You are accountable to God, meaning you have to live your life with a healthy understanding that you, as you sit here, as a person, you are actually accountable to a holy God, the one who created the universe. He spoke and everything came into existence, you and him. That's a reality we have to live with. That's why Romans 14, 12 states, it is to God alone that we have to answer for our actions, our actions, what we do based off what we believe, our actions, right? This is a statement that is ultimate. It's an ultimate statement. Ultimately, I'm accountable to God, he says. But he goes on from there. Number two, we are accountable to ourselves. Not only am I accountable to God, and one day he will hold me to account for how I live my life, but I have to now hold myself accountable. That's why Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.16, Paul told Timothy, watch your life and doctrine closely. Both of those things always go together. Watch how you live life and your doctrine, your teaching, what you believe closely. Those things have to be integrated together, he says. When was the last time you looked at, you took inventory of your life and asked yourself, how am I living my life before this God? When was the last time you you sat and thought, wait a minute, is what I really believe about God, is it just taught for me, you know, by some pseudo-Christian Southern culture, or is it really biblical? That's what Paul is telling Timothy to do here, to watch your life and your doctrine closely, and you do this as you go through life because you are holding yourself accountable. The third way we hold ourselves accountable, and boy, this is very important, and that is we are in- accountable to an intimate few. 
By intimate few, I'm talking about close friends who can be trusted, who know your story, who share in your hopes and dreams, and they even share in your struggles. This is so important. This is the secret sauce of the Methodist movement. If you look throughout history and you look at how revival has spread all over the world through the Methodist movement, through the Wesleyan movement, it's all because people would come together, they would band together, and they would have accountability together. And the truth is, every single one of us needs somebody in our life who loves us enough to be honest with us. And you and I have to ask the question, do we have people in our lives who can point, us, point at us in love and say, you are wrong? You're wrong. We all need that person. You see, we love to quote Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And then we say, hey, iron sharpening iron, we need to have a fellowship meal. That's not what that verse is talking about. <laughs> when iron sharpens iron, there's friction, right? Sparks fly. It's not always fun. Things get heated. Things get hot, but it gets sharp. And you need people in your life who can confront you and call you out so that you may continue to become more like him. What we would rather do today is just show people a Facebook or Instagram version of ourselves and just say everything is great. And then we wonder why there's no growth in our life or we wonder why when crisis happens, all of a sudden our faith seems to crumble right before our eyes because we've got to let people around us we got to give them permission to speak into our lives. The fourth level of accountability that we see is accountability to a community of faith. We are the church, the body of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 27. And within the church, what the church does is create this environment of grace, a place where wise men and women can come alongside of you and can give you counsel and can give you encouragement. We see this all throughout Scripture, Acts 15. We see it in other places where the church would come back. People would be sent out to do work. They would come back and they would report. Every time you see the word report in the book of Acts, that's what they're doing. They're holding each other accountable for what God was doing and how they were being faithful to God in the world. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to accountability, the goal of accountability is that you finish well. Like I said in the beginning, we're all, we're all running this race. We're all running the race of life, and there's a finish line out there somewhere. I don't know where yours is. I don't know where mine is. But the question is, is are we going to finish well? And we have to make sure that when we come to sermons like this, that we're not sitting here. Matter of fact, you want to know how you need accountability in your life? You want to know how you need to apply these truths in your life so you can have more integrity? You know that if you're sitting here listening to the sermon going, wow, I really wish so-and-so was here to listen to this sermon. Fifteen of you got that. <laughs> we need this. We're going to finish well. Some of you, when it comes to the topic of integrity, you just you don't even want to talk about it. Because when you hear the word integrity, what just floods your mind is all your failures. You just remember how many times you've fallen down. The question is, will you get up and finish well? John Stephen Aquari knew something about falling down. John Stephen Aquari was an Olympic legend. 
He represented the country of Tanzania. And he was favored to win the marathon in the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City. The marathon. Something happened. In the middle of his race, he fell down. And he fell hard. Most people could just get up and keep running. The problem was he sliced open his knee and he dislocated the joint and he had to be taken off. You see, the same is true spiritually for us, isn't it? Sometimes we're the favorite. Sometimes we're, we're supposed to succeed. We're the golden child. And sometimes we fall. And the truth is every one of us have. Some of us fell in private, only a few know. Some of us fell in public, and the newspaper got a hold of it, and the world knows. The question is, what are you going to do? John Stephen re-entered the stadium after falling. He got bandaged up. One hour after the winners crossed the finish line and the medalists received their awards. One hour with only a few spectators still in the stadium. John Stephen re-entered the stadium and started trotting, running. He hobbled out his marathon. Someone came up to him and asked, why did you continue the race when you had no chance for a medal? His answer was, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start a race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish a race. My question today is, are you going to finish well? Some of you have fallen recently. Some of you are limping some of you have lingering pain from some fall in the past. The question, though, is will you finish well? Because you can. You may not be able to run as fast as you once could. You may not be able to run the way you once did. But you can still finish well. And when it comes to today's like today, and I know that most of you in the room don't like things like commitment cards, it's okay. They're not going to be in heaven. It's fine. But what this represents is your promise, your commitment to saying that today I want to continue on the path and finish well. That's all it means. I mean, you don't get your name in the Lamb's Book of Life for filling this thing out, okay? It's not how it works. But on here, there are the, the topics in the scriptures and the declarations that we have been going through over these 50 days. And there's a place for you to fill out the bottom. And I want to challenge you to do this. I want to challenge you to do this because what it is, it's a public sign, it's a public declaration of that I want to say today publicly with my church family that my intent is to finish well. And this is just one marker along the path. So my prayer is that you would do that. Not only that, if you feel like you failed to fell too hard 
you have fallen too much and you feel like God is done with you, He's not. And I encourage you to get up and keep running. So Lord, would you help us wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves, especially those who have fallen, would you take them by the hand and pick them up? And for all of us, as we have fallen and we have life scars along the way, we say thank you for taking open wounds and making them scars. And thank you for the perseverance that is inspired by your Holy Spirit to keep running. May we do it today. May we do it tomorrow. May we do it for the rest of our lives and finish well. I pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name.